Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Dion Pouncil, which he is the Principal and Chief Investment Officer at Pouncil Capitals. Dion, how are you doing, my brother? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Man, it is my pleasure. There's so many things that we're going to unpack before just hitting record. We're already geeking out about the finance world and just talking about all these amazing screens that you have uh, for our listeners. Uh, Dion has some amazing screens with like stock predictions in the back, which we'll talk about in a second. But before doing that, Dion, I gave a small introduction of who you are. What do you do? Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our listeners and viewers? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, my name is Dion Pouncil. I am the Principal and Chief Investment Officer for Pouncil Capital, which is a systematic hedge fund. And I am also the founder of moneyschool.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-S-K-O-O-L.com, which is a financial education, trading, and investing streaming app. So think Netflix for the trading world. Um, So to give you a little bit more insight what a systematic hedge fund is, because then everybody's like, Some people don't know what a hedge fund is and some people definitely don't know what a systematic hedge fund is. So I'll give you a little bit more detail. So a hedge fund is a professional investment company where um, professional investors trade for other people and people pay them to trade for them um, through management fees and performance fees. Okay, so that's like hedge fund 101. So I am a licensed hedge fund manager And then you can have different types of hedge funds. So you can have a discretionary fund, you can have a systematic fund, you can have an algo fund, you can have a quantitative fund, you can have a high frequency fund, right? So those are like your trading approaches um, if you you think about all your trading strategies. So a systematic hedge fund, uh, first and foremost, we are global macro and we are multi-asset, multi-strategy. So global macro means we could trade anything in the world uh, globally uh, or or macro, okay? Multi-asset, we primarily trade uh, for fund one, we primarily trade public assets. So that's stocks, bonds, options, uh, futures, um, and things of that nature, okay? And then multi-strategy. So we, our primary strategies are relative value arbitrage and statistical arbitrage are the main approaches to our algorithms. And so systematic means that we use computer algorithms that follow a step-by-step system to trade for us. So that brings that entire uh, statement together, which is a systematic hedge fund, global macro, uh, multi-asset, multi-strategy. And then we also um, are in the process of setting up fund two, which is a crypto slash digital asset fund only. Okay. And that's also under council capital. Okay. So that gives you a little bit of insight of what a system. 
definitely does. And I'm going to try to unpack what you just said over here, kind of bring it to layman terms because it's not my center of expertise. So if I could bring it down to what I understand and you kind of fill in the gaps. So essentially, yep. obviously a hedge fund, like you said, is people that have money go see somebody, a professional such as yourself, give them that money and be like, Hey, grow my hundred thousand, grow my million. And whatever you grow, you get a percentage off of and so on and so forth. So that's what a hedge fund is. So a person Correct. that is uh, uh, dealing with many people's money to grow it through, like you said, bonds, funds, stocks, uh, options, futures, uh, crypto, NFT, and all that fun stuff. Now, the yep. aspect of that uh, part that you were seeing is that you have systems and processes in place within your system in an algorithm way that kind of does it automatically, which I'm guessing with the small knowledge that I have within that is potentially you have a certain like limit that you put buying a certain stock. So if you imagine like uh, Alphabet, which is Google, uh, a stock is let's say a thousand something dollars, you'd be like, hey, the second it goes under a thousand dollars, instantly buy it. Because in your mind, if I'm in front of a computer or not, the second that it goes under a thousand dollars, it's worth that money to invest and hold on to. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So so that you're, we can break it down even more simple, right? because a lot of people don't know that there's actually a difference between investing and trading. They're actually two different things and they're two different approaches, okay? So investing, when you think about investing, you wanna think about a longer term horizon. So think about you're buying a asset and you're holding it pretty much for at least one year or longer, okay? So that's more of the investing. And so what I teach our students is we have a one-year playbook and then we have a legacy playbook or a generational wealth playbook, right? So that's what you should think about when you think about the term investing. You think a bigger picture, long-term, creating generational wealth. Now, when you get to trading, there are multiple different types of traders and traders have a shorter term horizon where they're looking for the returns on their investment, okay? So you have position traders who are looking to build a position over time and the long, the shortest that they will pretty much hold the position is around six months. And these people are looking to build uh, positions uh, and accumulate, and they will look to ride the trend until the trend seems to reverse. So you can think about for the last two years, there have been bulls who have been long or bullish on a stock, let's say Apple or Tesla has been going up for the last two years, and they will ride that and accumulate um, different stocks in different amounts over that time and will ride the trend until now, like we're in a bear market. So they might be selling off to take their profits off the table. So that's a position trader. Okay. Next, you have a swing trader. Swing traders usually hold positions for about uh, seven days to roughly, you know, one to three months, but they usually like to hold it for at least a week um, to establish a quote unquote position in there, but they look into swing and get in and out of the trades. Okay. After swing trading, then you have day traders. This is where you get into more of the uh, frequent trading where day traders are looking to get in and out of a trade between essentially one hour and about three days. Most day traders don't really like holding positions overnight. So they're looking to get in and out of a trade multiple times in one day. Okay. Next, after day traders, you have scalpers, okay? So scalpers are looking to get in and out of trades between one second and usually about one hour. But most scalpers are trading between about 30 seconds to five minutes in and out of the trade, okay? 
And this is where you start to get to see a lot more of the algos start to come alive around this time. Because when you start to get in that 30 second to one minute era, you start to really see the levels between human and algorithms, right? And after scalping, you have high frequency. So high frequency, these algos literally trade close to the speed of light, okay? So my, my hedge firm, uh, my algos are somewhere in between high frequency and scalping. So we trade at about uh, eight tenths of a second. So my algorithm can make 1 million decisions per second. It can scan the market, get in the market and get out of the market in, in less than eight tenths of a second, okay? And so the next level high frequency, they can go from about pretty much very, very close to the speed of light to about one second. And they can get in and out of thousands of trades in that time, okay? so. That's the levels of trading, and it can really get that simple or it can go that deep. And it just kind of depends on what your risk appetite is, your risk horizons, or your time horizons, and your stomach and emotional control. So, okay. So, Dion, first and foremost, thank you very much for explaining like that. It's the first time that I got it explained in such a clear, concise way with all the different positioning and trading possibilities. Uh, and yeah, learned so much in that regards to really look at, hey, short term, long term, and what is actually short term. And I didn't know if you could go down to milliseconds when we're talking about an algorithm way. Definitely understood the concept of like a day trader. Usually they close up, like I said, at the, like you mentioned at the end of the trading day, which is 4 p.m. EST, if I'm not mistaken, 4 p.m., right? Or 3.30? Yeah, depending on what asset you're trading. So the stock market closes at 4 p.m. Eastern. The futures market closes at 4.15 p.m. Eastern. Okay. And the Forex and the crypto market or 24 hours a day. Okay, perfect. Now you mentioned futures. That's something that really interests me. I want you to talk about that a bit more, allude us to what is futures uh, and it's like, how do we go about approaching it? Because you had mentioned even before we started recording this, uh, uh, the podcast uh, over your left shoulder, you have a screen that's kind of looking at the gas and oils uh, of this world and where it's at. And I want to know what your uh, perception is with that world, where's the future within that and kind of dabble into that aspect, which we're going to be able to correlate within your world. Yeah, so I'm glad you actually brought that up because futures is pretty much my favorite asset to trade. A lot of people don't even know it exists, but uh, futures is the second most liquid um, asset class on the planet, actually, only behind Forex. So trillions of dollars, with a T, are traded in the futures market every single day, okay? So uh, you can see to the left of my screen, if you uh, have viewers here, um, to the left of me, I have the oil futures market to the right side of that. I have the NASDAQ, which is the technology equity index market. And to the right of that, I have the 30 year bond future market. And so um, those are very you know, correlated instruments, um, but they have direct impacts on the entire global market. So the bonds have a direct impact on everything from you know, the yield and what's going on with mortgage rates, as well as the Fed printing money. The NASDAQ has the top 100 technology companies. And then oil, I mean, you know, up until last year, oil was the number one asset traded on the planet and the most valuable asset on the planet, which is now data. Um, so we know how important oil is, right? So a few, so that's the what you see on my screen. A futures uh, asset is literally a contract, okay, where a you can have a buyer and or a seller agree on a price today and based off the price action of today 
it has an impact on the future price of that asset. And you can decide whether you believe that based on today's price action, that the market is going to go up or down at a future date. And so these future contracts here are quarterly. So we're ending Q2 right now, next week, and it's going to roll over and we're going to start trading the September contract. So we're literally going to be trading a future contract but we can make profits off of that instrument today. And that is what a futures is and is why, why it's one of the most liquid uh, asset classes on the planet. Okay, so that's very interesting in regards to the futures and how you traded per quarter. And like you said, in a few, uh, in a week uh, or so, the second quarter is going to be done of 2022. And we're going to be started looking at the September uh, closing contracts and all that stuff, which is the end of quarter number three. Now, yep. when it comes to the oils, like you mentioned, and we look at what's happening with the price of the barrel, the price of the uh, gas uh, pumps are going up and so on and so forth. And it's not necessarily correlated with that. What would you project? And this mm -hmm. is maybe a question you can answer. Or I don't know if you want to answer it, but what would you project a closing date in September in that regards? Because we're looking at the world, especially in a consumer uh, plant, like a uh, uh, standpoint of buying more electric cars, going more towards eco-friendly. And we should have less demand for gas moving forward. So why is it that these fossil fuel companies are increasing the prices of the gas, especially at the pumps when the barrel is not moving? Is there an actual correlation? Because the whole aspect of this trading world, what I understand, once again, maybe a layman's uh, terms is offer and demand, but clearly yeah. offer is going down. So if we're seeing that there's this counter power, is there something that we don't understand within the game? Is it something that you could allude to that you could explain us of what's happening? Because me looking at an outside perspective, I feel like somebody's winning and we're losing in this regard. <laughs> well, somebody's definitely winning. The market <laughs> is very, very binary. Is That is not a question. I will answer parts of that question that I can, but I will start it off that this is not investing or trading advice. I am not your fiduciary please do your own homework and your own research. That's first and foremost, okay? Now, the second part of that question is, are these markets correlated? Every market is connected to every other market, okay? And it's important to know that and understand that, especially if you can understand the flow of money and how when one asset class goes up, it has it's a high probability that the other asset classes will go down. And that's just because money, first and foremost, is energy, but also money likes to flow with where there is the least resistance, okay? So if a market is selling off and there's a lot of pressure in there, what you also have to understand is that it's two sides of that market. If somebody is selling, that means that somebody is buying, right? And one of my favorite things to say is the market is a great indicator because it's it's the only place in the world where people are transacting on the same exact thing at the same exact time, and they both think they're right. So if somebody's selling it, they truly believe that that market is about to go down. And if somebody's buying it, they truly believe that that market is about to go up, right? So that's one thing to understand about correlation. The next part of your question about specifically oil and the oil prices, um, I'm going to go high level and I'm going to go very simple. OK, first and foremost, we can't talk about oil without talking about the petrodollar. OK, the petrodollar is literally the dollar that every um, oil producing company or country outside of the United States has to convert their oil 
from their currency to the petrodollar. The petrodollar is pegged to the United States dollar. So they have to literally do a, a currency exchange from their, their dollar to the petrodollar. And that can they can make money or lose money on that conversion. So if your country's currency is currently trading at 50 cents and the petrodollar is currently trading at $1, that means that you will literally lose 50 cents per gallon or per whatever it is that you are trading um, amount of oil for that exchange. Then it has to be sold comparative to the United States dollar. So that's a very important thing to understand. And that's why the global economy is affected by everything that happens to oil prices, okay? Now, when you specifically talk about futures, remember we're talking about, we're projecting or what we think the future price will be based off of today's price action. Now, I live in Miami, Florida. Gas is roughly about $6 a gallon, okay? And um, we're moving into the summer. Historically speaking, the oil and gas prices go up in the summer because transportation traditionally goes up in the summer. And so the reason that I'm giving you these answers like this is because you can learn what impacts these things and make educated and data-driven decisions for yourself on what you think the market will do versus what Dion is telling you the price is going to be, which I can't do. <laughs> okay. So I'm giving you ways and tools and information on how you can make educated and data-driven data-driven decisions yourself to see what markets will have the potential to do. Okay. So here are some key things on oil to pay attention to. What the petrodollar is valued at, what the United States dollar is valued at. So if you trade foreign exchange or you trade Forex, it's important for you to know what the United States dollar is trading at, okay? And then it's important for you to know uh, how that conversion rate is going from the petrodollar to that local currency and what is affecting the United States dollar. And then think about the seasons you are in. Summer traditionally is more travel. It's more transportation, usually supply and demand. If more people are demanding it, that's driving up the price. If there's more supply or there's less demand, then the price usually goes down. In the winter months, usually, historically, the data shows that oil prices tend to go down because there's less transportation and more people are inside in first world countries, okay? So that is a little bit of insight and maybe some free game for you to see and, and know about the oil markets and how you could potentially trade and invest in them without me giving you direct uh, advice yeah. uh, or recommendations. So well, what you just said over there, which once again, Dion did such a great job kind of drawing it out for us, is that obviously in the summer, we go out a lot more, we travel, go around the world, trips, vacation, boats, and all that fun stuff, especially you being yep. in Miami with the yeah. boat aspect. But here's <laughs> the aspect as well to kind of recognize is that the last two years, unfortunately, we were in a pandemic. So now things are kind of opening up and people are going more out and about. So just a projection can be that we are going to be using a lot more. So the offer is going to be, uh, the demand is going to be so much higher. So the, the price should be correlated with that. Now, Dion, yeah, as it's a very high probability. Yeah, very high probability. Uh, so we're definitely geeking out about this. And I want to ask you one last question around this realm before we go into kind of talking about you and all uh, and how you kind of run your stuff in that end. I want to talk about money, but specifically 
money linked up with crashes towards what happened in 2008 towards a hyperinflation. Now, where I'm coming with this is that the last year, once again, previously alluded to that we were in a recession and the United States printed out with the Fed printed out trillions of dollars. Brilliant. Now, sorry? <laughs> trillions. Yeah, yeah, trillions. Exactly. With a T. That's, yeah. that's exactly what I mentioned. Now, <laughs> It's been in, if I'm not mistaken, 51, that Nixon made the money into a fiat currency, which is not linked up to a tangible good, which back in the day was linked up with gold. So the more they print, the more value of the dollar you have in your hand diminishes through, you could just go into you know, uh, grocery stores, the prices are changing, the gas, everything's changing. So your dollar does not go to the same level. Now, mm -hmm. as things are getting printed a lot more, and there is this transactional aspect happening, where do you see this fiat currency going? towards everything that we're doing? Do you see a recession? Do you see a fall? Do you see a transition going towards crypto, which with the blockchain, there is at least a, a block of like so many billion cryptos that we could have. What's your two cents on that aspect? Yeah, so you touched on a lot of points. So I let know, me- uh, I am so, so sorry. I'm, I'm giving no, 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 some long ass it. questions here, but I love you're doing I great love on answering them. I love it. You talked about a couple of my favorite things. So first and foremost, money is energy. Okay. And this is not a spiritual thing. This is not a woo woo thing. This is a factual thing. And so here, let's break it down. First and foremost, money is energy because everything is energy and all of the things that we live in, in the world are pretty much dominated by the laws of physics, uh, which include money. That's number one. Uh, number two, the law of conservation of energy states that energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred. Why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because the United States since 1971 has not been on the gold standard, okay? The gold standard is what substantiated and gave value to the United States dollar. What that means is that be between 19, between um, I think it was like 1898 and 1933, as well as up to 1971, you could take your US dollar to a bank and exchange it for gold up until 1933, okay? In 1933, um, the United States, in 1929, the United States passed the Emergency Banking Act. And in 1933, they began to take the money or, or, or take the gold from the United States citizen in exchange for a dollar. In 1971, when we officially came off of the gold standard, the United States dollar went from the gold standard to a fiat currency. Now, the root word of currency is current. And the root word of current is cur. Cur literally means energy or the flow of an electrical charge. So that is a scientific fact that your money is energy, okay? And it is not backed by anything but the good and faith of your country, okay? So what does that mean and how does that work? Well, in 1913, the Fed was created. And at that point in time, when the Fed was created, they began to get control of the money. And so the United States government does not control, create, or print money. The Federal Reserve does. The Federal Reserve is a private entity that is not owned by the government. It's completely 100% separate, okay? And they have complete control over the button that prints or stops money, okay? During the pandemic, we went into a flash crash uh, in March and the market tanked and went into a bear market. 
it had a short stint in the bear market and it turned around and actually had a two-year bull run up until last week it was officially announced that the united states is in a bear market what a bear market is is a prolonged period where the market is in a steady decline it has reached a 20 percent threshold so the market has from its peak from its most recent peak okay so the s p 500 the dow jones and the market overall is in a 20 percent decline over the last couple of months and we are officially in a bear market all right now the next thing from a bear market is a um, recession and the next thing from a recession is a depression all right so we are in a bear market and if the market does not begin to turn around over the next three six or 12 months we will enter into a recession all right so statistically and data drivenly we are in a bear market now the the light at the end of that tunnel is that you can make money whether the well you can't make money because it's energy you can't make it but you can secure money okay whether the market is going up or down if you know how and it's funny i just taught a, a training on this literally yesterday about how to make money in a bear market and how millionaires grow their wealth during bear markets okay so let me recap money is energy the united states is not on the gold standard we are a fiat currency fiat currency is energy and your money is controlled by the fed now over the last two years to help america get out of that bear market the Fed was literally printing money and they were buying billions of dollars of bonds every day, week, and month over the last couple of years. Now, at the beginning of this year, the Fed announced that they were going to stop buying bonds and they were going to recede on that and they were going to start to increase um, the rates, the yield rates, okay? And when they did that, the bonds began to go up and the market, the stocks and the equities begin to go down. The Fed just announced, I believe yesterday, it was probably going to be 10 to 14 more Fed rate heights, which means that the market will probably still continue to go down during that time over the next six months of the course of the year. Okay. And so those are key things to know and to understand because it's a high probability that the market will continue to go down as rates continue to go up. Okay, so um, now lastly, on your question about where I would put my money right now and what I would trade or what I would invest in first, we got to remember the difference between trading and investing. So if you're playing the bigger picture long term game, it is an amazing opportunity right now to get some uh, stocks and equities and assets 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% off from their highs. But you also want to make sure you do your research and know what those assets have done historically because they could potentially go down some more over the next three to six months. So multimillionaires, billionaires, the wealthy, they're using this time right now to look at the market like it's on clearance, like it's on sale, mm -hmm. finding their favorite companies, their favorite products, their favorite assets, and now they are in accumulation phase. So they're literally just stacking up on these assets that they believe will go up over time, they're buying them on sale or on discount right now. That's the approach that the rich and the wealthy are taking right now. And that's what they have done historically during bear markets, okay? That's an investing approach. From a trading approach, you can look at what has some short-term volatility in these markets. A lot of people are afraid of volatility. 
specifically because they don't know, but volatility equals liquidity and liquidity is actually where you can take money out of the market and put it in your pocket. This is a day trading approach, a um, scalping approach and, and a swing trading approach where you can make daily, weekly, monthly income off of the volatility in the markets going up or down. Okay, and so with those approaches, you, you definitely need to have some short term indicators uh, or some strategies or some signals and things like that that can help you during those shorter time frames. Obviously, I teach some of those in money school and, you know, we provide some trading softwares and stuff like that. But even if you don't get it from me, the first thing you need to do is you need to educate yourself, identify strategies that work within your risk parameters and things that you can emotionally uh, maintain your control off of and trade objectively and just trade with what the market gives you. Okay. Once again, very well explained, honestly, man. It definitely shows that you teach this and all that stuff. And definitely you're passionate about it in that regards. So thank, thank you for kind of unpacking that and clarifying everything. And I did love the, the aspect of that you just explained. Fiat currency, money is energy. And like you said, it's law of physics. Everything is energy. Everything is linked up with energy. So energy does not get destroyed. It just gets transferred. So now it's figuring out where the next transfer is going to be in that regards. And yep. when it comes to the, the bear market that we're currently in, explaining that we're potentially go towards a recession slash crash pending. This is potential if you look at it. And the ideology of all these big investors, what do they do? They buy when it's going low. So now there is an opportunity for growth within these next few years, months, whatever, that we're in the spare market. Like I said, it's in sales. So that's kind of the, the recap in that regards. And yep. Dion, we, we kind of, like I said, we geeked out for a long second over here, which I truly loved uh, about all this finance world. And it's clearly very obvious that you're successful and you're doing quite well with yourself, with the, your Dion Capitals, with your school, which is the moneyschool.com. And there's a lot to learn from that. But I truly believe as entrepreneurs, CEOs, and anybody, you don't only learn from successes, but you learn from failures. And that could be your failure, but it could be from other people's failures. So my question to you is, what is something within your business right now that you're having a hard time with, that you're is challenged with? And once you name that thing, how you go about thinking about solving that solution, solving that problem? Yeah, that's actually a great question. So you bring up some good points. One of my favorite books actually is called The Wisdom of Failure. And this whole book, it talks about how humans learn through experience, but you don't have to personally go through the experience to learn from it. So like I'm from the South side of Chicago, Inglewood, very, very tough areas. And we used to say, you know, we would look on the corner and we would see people who were on drugs and stuff like that. And I would know that I wouldn't want that experience. Like, I don't have to do crack to know crack is bad. I can see how that impacts that person's life. I don't want to choose that route. In the book, it talks about Enron. It talks about long-term capital management. It talks about these business blowups that you can learn from what these people did to tank their companies so that you don't have to go through those experience. So that's a great thing to bring up. For me personally... Right now, uh, running the hedge fund, like human Dion doesn't even really trade anymore. My algos pretty much trade for me all the time. My main focus right now is scaling uh, moneyschool.com, right? And so for any entrepreneur in any capacity, first and foremost, having a dream and having a vision, but being able to execute and doing what you need to do to manifest that dream into reality. I commend anybody who works on making their dream become a reality because I know how hard that is, right? Second, once you launch something, once you get the market, you want to make sure that the people 
appreciate it, love it, respect it, and value it how you want it to, to give out, right? Next is, is, is marketing and advertising and how you get people beyond your local um, network to know about your product or service and connect with it. So I believe that you need to do everything that you do, you start with why, right? Because people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so if you can connect with someone's why and they believe what you believe and you guys are like-minded, then you're not actually selling them anything. You're actually just providing a product or service that they want and or need and they connect with to use to better their lives, right? If you think about it in first world countries, you think about in America, we don't teach financial education. We don't teach financial literacy. We don't teach trading. We don't teach investing in our public school systems. And those things are genuinely, in my opinion, done on purpose. Um, there is a famous quote from Roosevelt in 1929. He donated $500 million to the United States education system. And a reporter asked him, why did you donate so much money? And literally, you could Google this quote. He said, because we want to create a, a, a nation of workers, not thinkers. Okay, so this was done on purpose. So for me, moneyschool.com and scaling that, yes, I am a successful entrepreneur. Yes, I run a hedge fund, but I created this as a part of my mission. So last year, I almost died. I was in the hospital for four weeks. I was in intensive care. And at one night during um, me being at the hospital, doctor literally came and said, hey, call your family, get your stuff in order because you might not make it through the night. Uh, I was in the hospital on blood, well, had blood clots in my lungs. I was on oxygen in intensive care and people really thought I was going to die. Um, and at that moment, you know, I knew I wasn't going to die. I don't accept that energy. I rebuked it. I did not take the vaccine. And I went to the bathroom every single time I had to go to the bathroom and I would look in the mirror and I would speak life into myself. And I would tell myself, I love you. I believe in you. You're going to be, you're going to beat this. You're going to get out of this hospital and you're going to make the world a better place because of this story. And so at that moment, I committed to make the world 1% better. And so I said, how can I make the world 1% better? And I can use my passion to teach and my skill set to trade and make money. And that was the birth of moneyschool.com. And I made it my mission to help the world 1%. And it, I looked it up, it was 7.5 billion people on the planet. And that's where I get the number 75 million. So my mission is wrapped up literally in my life story, is wrapped up in my superpowers of teaching and trading. And you know, uh, I, I work on it every day with every fiber of my being to help people take control of their financial futures and put it in their own hands by learning these tools. So when it comes to entrepreneurship, I believe if you have a product or a service, if you have a reason why you did that and why it can impact and help other people better their lives, I believe that you don't necessarily have to sell it. You just need to tell your story. And the people who believe what you believe and the people who connect with what you believe, um, they will be attracted to it and they will willingly open up their pockets and their credit cards to buy what you have so that it can help and improve their lives. Wow. Dion, that was delicious. That was delicious, brother. I mean... Listen, I, I'm still going to go rant with you for a minute here as I'm seeing that our time is going a bit longer and you might just be the, the longest podcast that I'm going to kind of do, even though my team doesn't necessarily like this, but there's so many things I want to unpack and I'm just, I wouldn't, I, I would do a disservice to the audience, to myself and to the listeners and to the viewers not to unpack this a bit more. 
first and foremost, that story of you kind of going through that difficult moment last year and difficult is very understated of like almost dying and looking yourself in the mirror and speaking life into you through the vibrations of your words to manifesting that reality. And we could un unpack that in not only the spiritual level, but in the biochemistry of your body, how that works. And if you guys are interested, just go study Dr. Emoto's work, which uh, water has memory and uh, human beings are anywhere between 60 to 70% made of water. So by yeah. Dion kind of affirm doing these affirmations in the mirror, he's allowing his bio biochemistry structure to change completely and be more positive absolutely so all of that aspect beyond amazing and one thing when you said i just really wanted to highlight and your story i was kind of correlating it to uh kevin hart i'm pretty sure you know who kevin hart is but for yes. just benefit of doubt to the listeners kevin hart phenomenal superstar comedian actor and so on and he's recently done a partnership with chase bank and the reason why he's done that like you alluded to that the education system is not positioning ourselves to teach the youth and not only the youth, but our society to be thought leaders. They yep. have structured it to be employees. And back in the day made sense. I think there was a lot of empathy in that approach because we need a lot of workers, but now we're all not at all in that. And the mm -hmm. fact that you mentioned that you were from Inglewood, Chicago, which what I understand, what I've heard is a rough part of a neighborhood and the fact that you are who you are right now and you're so eloquent in the way that you're talking and the knowledge that you've gained and how it was correlating to Kevin Hart, I'm coming to my question here, is that he's saying that those types of communities which are less affluent are meant to stay less affluent so the rich can get richer in a sense. So my question to you is with the backstory, how did you get out of the neighborhood that you were and gain the knowledge that you have when it comes to stocks trading so on and so forth did you have a mentor how did you end up where you are in that regard really intrigued yeah um first and foremost god's favor um i can't take full credit for it on that part um but the part for me uh one having an imagination and dreaming bigger and always wanting bigger for myself and knowing that um i wanted greatness and i was destined for greatness and i truly believed that i was going to attain it and then being disciplined and committed to the things that would help me get out of the hood right growing up in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s chicago was murder capital of the world and it was not a game um so first and foremost my mother true impact on my life she's very tough on me on education so i loved math and love physics she actually taught me how to count with physical one dollar bills uh, which is a funny full circle thing now. Um, I was a math and physics nerd growing up, but I just so happened to be very good at sports. And so I got ranked. I played baseball. Uh, I played baseball, high school, well, Little League, high school, college, and some independent pro baseball for a while. Um, so baseball gave me an opportunity to travel and be exposed to different cultures, different communities, different families. And it also gave me a baseball scholarship. So I was able to go to school in New York to Hofstra University on a baseball scholarship and got exposed to a lot of different levels of money there um, when going to a private school in Long Island. And a lot of those people left Hofstra and went to Wall Street. Uh, so I got exposed to those worlds. And so um, when I got done with baseball and got done with corporate and chose to be an entrepreneur, one thing led to another, you know, started first and foremost, Throughout the entire story, I believed in myself and I believe whatever I put my mind to, I can do. 
and um, I will do, and I'm willing to do what it takes. It's not always easy, um, but I'm willing to do the sacrifices. So make it out of Southside Chicago, coming from a single parent home, coming from a family that didn't really talk about money or know about money, making sacrifices like literally going through the winter in Chicago with no heat at some points, sleeping in my cars and things like that. It literally was a grind and a sacrifice. Um, and to this day, I do not have a college degree. But what I always have done was always been a student. I loved reading. When I got done with baseball, I committed to reading a book a week. And I have read a book a week every week for the last eight years. Um, I believe that the more you learn, the more you earn. And so books led me to trading, um, which led me to courses to learn about it. And then betting on myself. I literally started my first trading account with $1,500. And you know, now to be able to do what I do and have what I have, I'm truly blessed and I'm truly grateful. But I did what it took. I won some trades. I lost some trades. I stuck with it, got better over time. And I became a consistent trader. And then once I got to that level, I had already knew I wanted to start a hedge fund from based off of one of the books I had read. But then I, I kept going and I became a professional trader. I studied and I passed my series three and became a licensed commodity pool operator and a commodity trading advisor. And so everything that I've done, I've literally read it, either took a course on it, and I bet on myself, and I put the time, energy, and effort in to make it happen. And um, that's where we are today. I love that. And this kind of made me think of, if a flower doesn't grow, do you blame the flower or you blame the environment? And the fact that you had this opportunity to go get a, a scholarship playing baseball and go to New York and then Long Island and then seeing people think differently, act differently, talk differently, gave this flower, referring to you, this opportunity to learn what you learned and then go back and share with other people. And I'm guessing stuff that you want to do within your community. So Dion, yeah. once again, congratulations, brother. Like I said, this Thank was you. very, very interesting conversation. We could have even gone longer, but I just want to be respectful for your time and our listeners. The last thing I want to kind of do here is kind of leave you this red carpet and really uh, tell you to kind of tell us what's the best place to get in touch with you. If somebody's interested, if somebody's like, hey, what is this money school? Where can I get in touch with it? If somebody has money, be like, yo, this dude's sharp. I want to invest my money with this capital. Where's the best place that they could reach out to you? Yeah, so for accredited investors and high net worth individuals that are interested in me professionally trading for them through Pouncil Capital, my hedge fund, uh, it's pouncilcapital.com and or you can email me at dp at pouncilcapital.com um, and we can, you know, continue the conversation. For any, uh, you, you do have to be a accredited investor and we do have two subscription offerings, a $100,000 minimum or a million dollar minimum. So, um, through regulations and by law, I can only, you know, uh, trade and invest for those level of people. But that also is one of the main reasons that I created Money School, which is a streaming app that is literally $34.99 a month or $249 a year, where anybody at any point of their financial journey can learn financial education, trading and investing. So moneyschool.com, M-O-N-E-Y-S-K-O-O-L.com. It is also available in Apple phones, Android phones, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Xbox, and more, all of your favorite streaming devices. And you can literally sign up today. And so uh, either way, I really appreciate your time, energy, and efforts. And I'm very big on learn, earn, and return. So 
uh, you, you, the more you earn, the more you learn. And then if you, you love what you do, share it with other people so that they can have a chance as well. I love it, brother. We're speaking the same language. I just like you, I read a book a week as well. So I love that ideology that, you know, we have to continue to learn. And for the viewers, they see over my right shoulder, one of my favorite quotes by Socrates, the only true wisdom is knowing, you know, nothing. So it doesn't mean that we know nothing. It means that every single time we learn something new, we realize how much we don't know. So it's continually understanding that we're students of this world of this life. So once yep. again, Dion, thank you very much, brother. I pretty sure this is not going to be our last uh, podcast or interview uh, together. This is a great conversation and thank you for everything that you're doing and congratulations. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I appreciate you for having me on the podcast today. My sure. pleasure. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day. Thank you.